I don't know that James could see into the future, but these words are just as important today as they were when they were written. James was writing to these young Christian movement groups that were struggling to figure out how to make it. They were often in scattered territories. They'd been taken away from the place where central leadership of the Jewish church uh, that they had been connected to resided. Even the earliest leaders of the earliest Christian movement resided in Jerusalem. The Jewish church in all of society at this time was very top-down. It was very clear who the leaders were. Um, And a lot of that was who the Jewish temple leaders were. That came by birth. It was who you were, what family you were born into, and it allowed you to have a certain level of education. It was clear who the leaders were supposed to be, for better or worse. But now, this was a movement that was following a carpenter's kid who had turned the whole world upside down. What did that mean for authority? We know because it shows up in multiple letters that some in the Christian movement finally saw a path to power in these groups. They'd never had a shot at leadership before. They'd never had a shot at uh, being the person on top because of birth and, and in a system where just none of that mattered. They had an opportunity and they were taking their chance. If you've ever been through a search process, specifically in a church, not Mosaic, not Mosaic, but any other church, um, or or in a, a leadership position in an organization, you know that when the leader leaves, suddenly there are all these people who want to fill the void. They see an opportunity to have their voices heard. There's a vacuum in the leadership role, and they rush to fill it. And this is what James is speaking into in the first section of this scripture. He's cautioning those who want to be opportunistic about leadership. He's telling them it's, it's not just a chance to get your voice heard, to assert your opinions. To be a leader in the church, in this Christian movement, you will be judged more harshly. You will have to do more work. More will be expected of you. This may not be the opportunity that you think it is. And then he goes on with kind of a a group of mixed metaphors about the power of the tongue and talk. And again, James has these like fiery kind of uh, images that you can just picture like a really old person old man uh, in, a, in a big white tent from a big pulpit saying, you know, like, you know, brings down the power of hell. I'm not going to do it again because I hurt my throat uh, last week trying to mimic the words. But he is saying the bottom line is that he's getting at is that the words that you say really do have the power to create or to destroy. The words you put into the world can seem so innocent. You didn't do anything. You just you just said something or, or maybe even hinted at something. If someone else chose to feel an emotion or a response or take action on what you said, you, you can't control that. And James says, no, your words, the messages that you are sending out into the world will either build it up or tear it down. I don't think James could have imagined a world like ours. But as I've said, these words are are maybe even more important for us today. 
It's no secret that Russia, Vladimir Putin, uh, has wanted to attack democracy and powerful countries around the world. He wants to undermine anything that he sees as powerful and unions that are connecting those powerful countries together that keep him from having the kind of control that he wants. The sad thing is it's not taking a nuclear war to divide countries, to blow them up, uh, not literally, but um, to attack other countries. It's not taking something like war power from the outside. Putin just took a page out of the book of James, except the opposite of what James is saying. Officials believe that Russian bot farms have been responsible for undermining democracy, not just here, but in countries around the world. Undermining the message about the efficacy of vaccines and and attacking candidates from all sides in order to sow tension amongst powerful countries. You don't need to attack from the outside, really. You just sow a few seeds and let them come at each other. Create a little bit of doubt. Make others believe that they're on the losing side. So everybody feels that they're on the losing side and they have to fight each other to hold on to power. It's like the plot of the movie Mean Girls on a world scale. And the very scary thing is that it doesn't, what you say doesn't have to be true. You just need to sow a little bit of doubt and fear. Right now, it doesn't take long if you watch uh, live TV with commercials to know that this is true. Our political ads from both sides are very vicious. I do believe there's a lot at stake in this election, but because of that, because both sides feel that way, they attack each other, often twisting the truth to attack the other political party. Our world is changing quickly. We know that America is becoming more diverse. All of the census projections have been saying that for a number of years. With more diversity comes the opportunity to share more, to learn more. But it can also mean that we have to make room for more, for people who don't believe like us. That we have to find common ground. And I believe for many, when you've been the group of people that's in power, any call for equality can feel like discrimination or elimination. The leaders who stepped into the space, into what can feel like fearful times, can sometimes just be looking for their opportunity for power and don't have the best interest of all of us at heart. We've seen a drastic rise in violence against Asian Americans in the last couple of years as people use the term Chinese virus for the pandemic. The violence that's been done in this mixed age group, I can't even begin to tell you some of the examples because they're so violent against people who were just out and about living their lives. Go home and search it. We saw questions raised against experts about the power of vaccines and proper medicine. It led to actual literal violence in hospitals against doctors and nurses who were doing their very best, putting themselves in harm's way in order to try to save lives. And here's the twist. Here's why the Russian bots work. Here's why we have opportunistic leadership and ideologies running wild. It's because of us, all of us. James could never have imagined a world where we're all so educated, 
James could never have imagined a world where we'd have so much access to information, some of it truthful, some of it not. We are the leaders that James is cautioning because all of us are creating this climate we are in right now. We are creating culture. You have no idea how powerful you are and how much responsibility you carry. I think if James could write a message for us today, he would still caution us to be careful about the power of the tongue. How many times have we made a joke against someone or a group of people based off of a stereotype? How many times have we thrown a question out there based on our own judgment that's not rooted in truth, but it's just a hunch? I'm real guilty about that one. <coughs> How many times have we judged someone else or, or acted or spoken on it without knowing their full story? Or what about the times we just speak unkindly to someone and we don't offer an apology? The power of the tongue is important for speaking truth, kindness, and goodness into the world. We do not put enough value on the words that we say. Evaluate your words. What kind of culture are you creating with them? But I also think James would caution about the power of our minds. I quoted Nadia Boltzweber a few weeks ago when she talked about confirmation bias, about how we read, have, we have access to so much information. And the most common way to access all that information is just to, to lock into the things that we read that confirm what we were already thinking. We don't listen to dissenting voices. And the truth is that it's hard to know what's true these days, but maybe not as hard as we make it. As people of faith who find ourselves creators of culture, it is important to make sure that the voices we're listening to are reputable. I don't know what I did, but somehow I knocked my algorithms off. When I was prepping for this sermon, when I was looking up the information about Russian bots, the articles that came up all over the place, suddenly topics I've never even heard of, conspiracy theories, opposite of what I believe to be true, popped up in my uh, search engine. And I began clicking on some of them, and I, I realized that none of these, none of them were from reputable news sources that I would trust. Each came from an outlet with one agenda. And again, it wasn't just one side or the other. They were all over the place. Each came from an outlet with one agenda that they were pushing. Remember that we have to be extra cautious. Don't trust everything you read or see online. Don't even allow it to just worm its way in to stir up questions if it's not truthful. The algorithms on social media, on Google, on our gaming apps keep feeding us what we consume. In other words, it gives us what you look at. So it keeps giving you more and more of the same because it wants to keep you engaged. You cannot forget that. Use your head. Engage your critical thinking. You have the power to burn the world down or create a new kind of culture when you engage your mind. And it's not just about politics or racism or, or like any of the really big political hot button things. 
we have to engage our minds as we look at social media accounts that are driven by people who are creating a whole career for themselves by getting you to buy things. Those can be very helpful, but if we're not encouraging our minds, we can believe we need the latest products, our house needs to look a certain way, or, or we believe the hype that this one product can change our lives in some way. If James could see us today, he would be shocked by the spheres of influence we all have, the levels of education that are represented in this room, but also by the way that we can be taught and influenced by so many Christian leaders just because they're famous people. It is amazing today who we give a platform to. In the church, we've created a culture that loves to hear from famous people, loves to give them a platform, loves to pay them big bucks to come and teach us. And not it's not always the people who are educated, who've given really critical thought to what they're teaching. They are people who are stepping into a void. And we, when we don't activate our minds, we get distracted by the emotion that's stirred up within us. Finally, I also think James would caution us against the power of our fingers. James could have never imagined a world where I can type out something on my cell phone and send it out into the world where literally millions of people could see it, like all from my couch. That's nuts. The things we type, the things we share out into the world, even with our closest friends, we are all creating culture. We all need to think critically about the things we share and then be willing to have a conversation about them if someone questions it. I want to challenge you to take a look back over the last few social media posts you've made and think about the culture that you are creating and shaping. Look back at the memes that you've shared with those, uh, even with your friends. In your hands, you have the power to build up or to tear down. I want to add that this was originally a word to a small community of believers who are trying to figure out their faith. These cautions are important for how we think about how we are out in the big world, and I do think they apply to this new kind of world that James could never have imagined. But I also think they speak to us on a small scale here at Mosaic. What kind of culture are we actively creating here at Mosaic? Do we speak with kindness? Do we take time to speak and share the hard things in life? We say that we are a church community seeing, excuse me, we are a church community seeing brokenness made whole by the love of Jesus. That's brokenness made whole individually, but also when we come together. But we have to engage all of ourselves in order to create that kind of culture. That takes work and it takes vulnerability. And it takes commitment. This morning, as I close this sermon, a sermon where I know I've talked about some hot button topics, um, I will tell you that every sermon that I've prepped in this series so far, my toes have been bruised as I've stepped on my own toes. Um, I want to show you, uh, we're going to do a different kind of reflection today. Rather than having a song and you think on a question, we have a video. I've shown it before. Um, and it is, it's a Coca-Cola ad uh, that was supposed to go viral, like it was created for this. But I think it's a lovely example 
of how we can create culture, even small, um, to bring kindness into the world, to be vulnerable, to be willing to let ourselves be open to creating a culture that brings joy into the world. So as we watch this reflection video, uh, as we transition into communion, I want you to think, again, we're the first Sunday in a month, I want you to think about these things and what are the ways that you wanna be committed to creating culture, healthy culture, good, loving culture, a culture where joy and kindness can be found, a culture where people are seen for who they are. And maybe have a little laugh as you watch this video.